0: truth that Rooted is just kicking off for this trimester, uh, as are our groups and a lot of different things happening around Overlay Christian Church. But we definitely wanted you to know that today is the last day to register for this Rooted 101 class. And so please, if you have not yet done that, and this is your church home, and um, we talk a lot about what this is. It's the pathway to dynamic membership at Overlay Christian Church, and we'd love to have you be a part of that. So uh, go ahead and jump in. Bless you. Bless you. Uh, You might want to grab your notes out of your handout, and you'll see we're continuing in a series on the power of Bring. And today, the topic we want to talk about is the issue of story, and, and we'll get into your story. But, but I just want to start with a question What is it that throughout history, as parents are, talk, are tucking their little kiddos into bed at night, what is it that kids ask for? They say, You know, mom, dad, could you tell me a story? right they don't say mom dad could you tell me how's the dow jones doing today uh, could you read me the news feed right they they say could you tell me a story and that's certainly been true in my own life as a dad parenting the three kids that god has brought to me that uh, and so you know we we just love stories and so they'll ask questions like dad tell me again i don't understand how did you choose to be a pastor when you were the world's greatest athlete and so, you know, I, I've got to unpack that story. And, and we just always love telling them stories, reading them stories. I remember once I was reading the story of David and Goliath to uh, my, my boy. He was a little boy at the time. And I don't know if you remember how the, the story in the scripture, sort of what the last verse is. But basically the last verse of David and Goliath's story says, And then David cut off Goliath's head and claimed victory for the Lord. And so I read that and I was like, nighty night. Time to head off to sleep, buddy, you know. (laughs) That's the dad jokes that I know and love. Uh, But the idea is stories matter, and they matter not just to kids, but but they actually impact us as adults. That's actually why we end up watching TV. We get hooked on shows. We watch movies. You know, as an adult, it's why I watch shows like Downton Abbey or Stranger Things or This Is Us. Oh, my gosh, this is us, Right. And, 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 you know, it's, it's funny to think about it, it, it like the, the, the broad scope of America also does this. Uh, several years back, my wife Jody and I, we really got into a show called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. You know this show, uh, like this was millions and millions of Americans were, were watching this show. And, and why is it that it was so popular at the height of its popularity? It was, it was popular because of the story that was communicated, of, of the change that happened in a family's life. Uh, my wife, that's why I watched it, by the way, for the story. My wife might have watched it for the occasionally shirtless host uh, there, there was uh, there, but 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 most people, right? And and there were stories. There were episodes that really were so powerful that even years later, I remember them. I remember there was one story of a woman. It was it was primarily about this woman who had opened her home, and she had begun to adopt kids into her family with disabilities. She ended up adopting seven kids, two of whom didn't have legs. And just this incredible woman who cared for them and loved them and just her compassion. And and so she got the Extreme Home Makeover, and when they said, move that bus, and, and they walked her into this home that had been completely done up new, Jody and I are sitting on the couch. We're just weeping, just tears running down our face. I, I just want to ask you, um, raise your hand if you've ever watched an episode of Extreme Home Makeover. Anybody? Now, now raise your hand if you watch it and you got emotional as you watch it. Anybody? Yeah, so many of us. That's right. If, if you watch Extreme Home Makeover and don't, don't cry. May God bless your soul, right? May God heal what is deeply broken within you. Um, but it's the power of story. And, and so we just recognize there is this way in which we are made. We are made to love story. And friends, you have a story. And that's the first fill-in. You have a story. I, I definitely want you to leave here today with the re- recognition that you have a powerful story. And and you might not think that that story that you have has influence, but it is unique and it's inspiring because it is yours. And it brings me to the next fill-in. Somebody is dying to hear your story. There is absolutely somebody who needs to hear your story. The hope and the help and the healing and the encouragement and the direction to God that only your story can bring. In fact, nobody can deny that God uses people's stories to impact other people. I'll give you one biblical example. David, in the Old Testament, King David. David, he was really quite prolific in writing out his spiritual story. And he would do this when he was down. He would do this when he was in the dumps. He would do this when when, when circumstances were conspiring against him or when he had sinned and he felt distant from God, all different kinds of, of lows. And he would just write out his spiritual story. The flip side is also true. He would write out when he was feeling victorious, when he was feeling intimate with the Lord, when all he had on his lips was praise up to God. And and so he would write those things out as well. What are the Psalms? So many of them, they are David's spiritual story. Now here's the thing. Here we are thousands of years later. Where do you open up to when you're going through something in your life? So often we open right to the middle. We open to Psalms. And when we're going through difficulties, we read Psalms, and we're connected then to the story of David, and we're pointed to the Lord. Or when we're going through victorious seasons, and so we open up, we read the Psalms, and we're brought into that place. King David's spiritual story is still impacting lives today, right? Somebody is dying to hear your story. You have a story. Somebody needs to hear it. There's a a kind of a question over this whole message, and that is, why is it that Jesus' followers don't share their story more often? And I think the answer to that is for so many of us here today, we're just oblivious to the fact that God has given us a story and that it will impact someone else's life. And so we need to sort of unpack all of that. The next fill-in is, it starts with recognizing the power of story, recognizing the power of any story, right? People uh, respond to narratives well in general, and then recognize the power of your story in particular. And I want you to think about Jesus. Jesus was the world's greatest teacher. He he was the best teacher the, the world has ever seen. And the reason why I can claim that fact is because Jesus, the things that he taught would go deep in a person's psyche. It would resonate with someone's emotional, wherever they were in their own journey. And they would hear some truth that he brought in such a way that they would remember that experience years and years and decades later in their life. It would impact them profoundly. He was a great teacher like that, and, so, and, and he did this so often, right? This is Jesus, God in the flesh, and he knew how to bring truth in a way that was transformative, that people would remember, and that it would make a difference in their life. Amen. Now, look what the scripture says. This is in Matthew 13. It says, Jesus always used stories. In fact, would you circle the word always there? Jesus always used stories, And illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. You see, Jesus would use stories to bridge God's kingdom to humanity. And he would do it with these stories of ordinary people, of fishermen or farmers or tax collectors or people that worked in the fast food industry like KFC, kosher fried chicken or, uh, you know, falafel king or... Subway, uh, some of those places. And, and they were ordinary people that he would connect with God's larger story. And what you do realize is that as a human, you're wired to respond to stories. I want you to think about the kind of stories that resonate with you. They're stories of forgiveness or redemption, do-overs, fresh starts, resurrection. It's like we have these guitar strings running through our soul. And when we hear a story, it's like plucking one of those strings, and it reverberates all the way through our being. It touches us, and it moves us, and it brings us closer to God. You know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a great hero in a story. I don't think I'm alone in this, but I was inspired, and I wanted to be just a, a true hero. In fact, one of the movies that inspired me was that great classic, and I know you know it, it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I always wanted to be a knight rushing through the forest with a sword that was a fish and slay the fierce man-eating bunny. And actually finished the movie. I, I just, I had all these dreams. And I, and I know, you know, I'm not alone, right? We want to be a part of a story that's larger than ours. And we love, when we write ourselves into stories, we, we write ourselves in as the hero. We write ourselves in as somebody who makes a difference. And, and that's because we respond to story. And, and it's not just your, or it's not just any story that's powerful. It's your story that's powerful. It's the way in which God has moved in your life. Christine Kane says this, Never underestimate the power of your story. Never. So we begin by recognizing the power of your story. The next fill-in is articulate your story. Articulate it. Once you recognize it, it's time for you to think it through and to write it out, to make this practical by writing it down. And what you do is you go from general feelings or general impressions to specific moments, to specific ways that God has impacted your life. Amen. Now, my guess is that even though we're talking about this and we have talked about this concept at Overlake before, probably about 80 to 90% of us have never taken the time to go ahead and sit down and to write this out, to think it through and to craft it and to put it in paragraph form. So that really is going to be the challenge that I bring this morning. And when I say story, I'm talking about your encounter, that life change experience you had with God. And some of you know this. You you might call it your testimony. Your testimony is your spiritual story. And the reason why I want to challenge you to write it out is because it requires you to think it through just a little bit. And then when you put it on the page, your story becomes a tool that God can use for his kingdom's sake. So we're trying to make this as practical as possible. And One of the things that I would tell you is that we're launching into our groups right now. So just like Rooted, you know, today's the day to to finish up, signing up for that and jump in. Our groups are the same thing. We've got thousands of you in groups all over the east side and Seattle. And what my prayer is, is that in groups as we launch in, that that is a safe space for you to share your story that all over the place we have maybe five minutes each time the group meets to hear another person's story as a part of that group. It'll be a great way to get to know one another well, but also to celebrate how God has worked in each of your lives, right? To see the way in which he has brought you all together and how you guys are all on the faith journey together. One of the things that uh, I love about baptisms, and by the way, we had baptisms at our first service last week, is it's such a beautiful and powerful example of folks who have made a spiritual decision standing up in front of their church family and just sharing the story of how Jesus encountered their lives. Now, I do know that there are some here this morning, and you really don't have a, a story of how God has encountered your life. You don't have a spiritual story, at least one that you know of yet. And if that's you, you may, maybe you're just here checking this whole thing out. Maybe you just came with a friend or a relative. We're, we're just so glad that you're here today. The words that I would use are, you don't have a story about saying yes to a with God life. You haven't made that kind of a decision yet. And, and so if that's you, I just want to say you're in a great, great place. Overlake is an incredibly safe place to be on the journey of discovery uh, because here we open the Bible every week. We take a look at who this person of Jesus is and how it is that, that we live with him. And, and this is a, no judgment or condemnation in this place. So, so anyway, you just need to know you're in a great, great space. Continue to be on the journey. But, but you just don't have that spiritual story yet. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you do have a story of how Jesus has encountered your life. And I want you to know you're not alone. The Bible is filled with stories of how Jesus encountered lives and how he impacted lives. The Bible's filled with them. In fact, I want to give you a couple this morning. The first is a forgiveness encounter. I want to, I want to give you this example And again, it's from the book of John. I I say, uh, again, it's because John actually communicates story after story after story. In fact, if you're just checking out like this whole Christianity thing, you want to know where to begin in the Bible. I always point people to the book of John because it's filled with so many stories of Jesus encountering lives. But this is a forgiveness encounter. It's found in John. uh, It's in chapter eight. Uh, This is where a woman has been caught in the act of adultery. She's been caught in the act of adultery, and some of the Old Testament laws talk about those who commit adultery, they can be stoned to death. And so they have brought this woman publicly into this place where she's been shamed. Now she's being condemned. There's all these people around her. They have rocks. They're ready to stone her to death. Uh, What's interesting to me is the guy's nowhere to be found. Um, It's interesting. It, It really does take two to adult and uh, but but there's only one here, right? So they just they grab the woman and, and so this is this public shaming, and, and they ask Jesus, hey, the law says we can stone her. What do you say, right? And they've got these rocks. Jesus says, after he thinks for a moment, he writes in the dirt, it's really kind of a cool scene. I'd love to have you read it. He writes in the dirt. I don't know what he's writing in the dirt, by the way, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's a list of sins that all the people around have committed. Pointing little arrows like, oh, you, Moses, you know, (laughs) that's you right there. Uh, But anyway, he stands up and he says, all right, you guys, you can stone her to death. He says, but let the person who has never, ever sinned throw the first stone. Let the person who has never, ever needed to ask God for forgiveness, you can throw that stone. The person who's never done anything to make yourself feel guilty or to wound somebody else. You can throw that stone. And the Bible says one by one, they dropped their stones and they walked away. And then Jesus, he comes to the woman and he helps her up. It says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. In other words, this is a transformative moment. You can go. You're free. You are not condemned. You're not going to carry that shame forward. Now go and live a life of freedom. And maybe your story is a forgiveness encounter. You know that you came to Jesus and, and you had stuff that you needed to confess your heart was was heavy, and you were burdened with sin or with shame. You just were living under condemnation. And so you came to Jesus, and you just laid it all out. You said, I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of living in guilt. I'm tired of living in shame. Jesus, I just repent of this stuff. I lay it out before you. I want to be set free from it. And in that moment, you know you were forgiven. Amen. You know Jesus met you. And the reason why you know that happened is because You experienced a lightning and an unburdening. You experienced the list of your sins being erased forever. Uh, The Bible talks about as far as the east is from the west, that Jesus will take your sins from you. He'll, He'll drop them into the deepest ocean. Though your sins are scarlet, he makes us white as snow. And you've experienced that reality, and that's your story. It's as if the accuser of your heart dropped his stone and walked away because Jesus was present in that moment. That's your story. And it's a beautiful story. There's power in it. Uh, Another type of story in the scripture is a healing encounter. And I want to tell you a a story from John 9. This is actually one of my favorite all-time healings. Jesus, he healed so many throughout the scriptures, but this one might be my very favorite. This is the story of a guy who was born blind. And this blind man... He gets healed by Jesus, and and Jesus heals him in a really unique way. Uh, This is the story, you might be familiar with it, where Jesus decides in order to heal this guy, he's going to spit in the dirt and make a little mud pie, and then put it on the guy's eyes and tell him, go wash, which is a great thing to tell somebody after you've elugied on their eyes. And the guy goes and he washes off the mud and he is healed. He can see. What is interesting, sort of the surrounding events that are happening here are the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they're furious for Jesus for doing this. They can't even believe that he did it because the day that Jesus healed this man was the Sabbath. And the Sabbath, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath in this Old Testament construct. And not only that, not only are we, you know, we're commanded by God to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But the the Pharisees had come up up with hundreds of additional laws about what it meant not to work on the Sabbath. And they had concluded in their additional laws. By the way, you can read these hundreds and hundreds of rabbinical laws. It's compiled in a book, a, a collection called the Mishnah. And so in the Mishnah, it said uh, healing, to heal somebody was a form of work. So you couldn't heal on the Sabbath. Again, this is not the Bible. This is just man-made rules. So Jesus chooses to heal on the Sabbath. I always wondered about like the spitting in the mud. Like I always, always was curious about that. And part of me, I just wrote it off like, oh, Jesus, you're just one crazy, you know, God, man. I, you know, I just, who can guess you, you know? But I found that in the Mishnah, It actually forbids spitting in the dirt on the Sabbath. Yeah, I know. This is great. You can actually, you can legally, according to the Mishnah, you can spit on a rock no problem on the Sabbath, just in case you're worried about keeping this law. Uh, But you can't spit in the dirt. And the reason for their argument was, if you spit in the dirt, it will make mud. And in the first century, mud wasn't just mud that you wash off your shoes. Mud was the building block of mortar. It's what they constructed their homes and and all kinds of things with. And so basically they were saying, if you spit in the dirt, it will be like making concrete and constructing things. And all of those things are uh, forbidden on the Sabbath. So Jesus, he spits in the the dirt. He makes mud, right? That's a no-no. No. Puts it on a guy's eyes. That's just kind of weird. But then he heals the guy. Healing is also a no-no on the Sabbath. These Pharisees cared more about their man-made rules than they did about the transformation of a man's life. And every time you read an episode in the scripture about Jesus, you need to be asking yourself this question. What does this say about the heart of God? What is being communicated about the person of Jesus? Right, that's what You always need to ask yourself those questions as you're reading through the Gospels. And here's what we see. Jesus is clearly saying, I am Lord over the Sabbath. I am Lord over all man-made commands. And God's heart is a beautiful heart, a good heart. The Sabbath was never given to prevent you from doing something beautiful. The Sabbath was given to you as a gift so that you would rest, so that you would remember God's goodness for you. And, and this healing is just one more way to see God's goodness in your life. So all that's going on in this story. But what was interesting is the Pharisees were furious. They were so angry at Jesus, but they couldn't like take it out on Jesus. Maybe he intimidated him a little bit. So they went and they found this guy who was blind, but now who can see? And they start like grilling him. They they really want him to say that, that Jesus, who healed him, is a sinner, that he's a bad guy. And the guy who got healed, he just didn't know a whole lot about Jesus. Like, you just need to understand. He didn't even know what Jesus looked like. And that's because he was blind when Jesus loogied on his eyes. So he, he had never seen Jesus. He didn't know a whole lot about Jesus. And so the Pharisees are grilling him. And this is what this guy says. He says... I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. I was blind, but now I can see. His testimony has three parts. I was blind my entire life. Then I encountered Jesus. Now I can see for the whole remainder of this journey. I was blind, then Jesus, now I have sight. And in many ways, those are going to be the building blocks of all of our spiritual stories. So as you're thinking through, what does it take for me to articulate my story, understand it comes with those three questions. So the first question that you would ask yourself is, what was my life like before I met Jesus? What were my attitudes like? What were my behaviors like? What was going on in my worldview? All of that stuff. What was my life like before Jesus? The second question, and what was the encounter with Jesus like? What was that experience like? How did Jesus invade my world? Were there other people around? Was it through a conversation or a service or a, a song or nature? Like, how did that happen? And then the last question, and what has my life been like since? How has my life changed? And you might ask yourself, well, how long does my story need to be? And I would say different lengths in different contexts. I know in our Celebrate Recovery, they tend to write out several pages because they want to be really thorough and make sure that they give God all of the glory in, in, in this beautiful thing of transformation. But my honest response when people ask, how long does my story need to be? I always say, not that long. Make sure it can fit on a three by five card. Maybe you put one or two sentences for each of those three questions we just went through. Two sentences for what your life was like, two sentences for how Jesus invaded, two sentences for how it's been since. And that becomes then a very practical tool that God can use to impact others' lives. Some of you already know my story, that I grew up in church, but when I was a senior in high school, I realized that this Sort of, It was a weird epiphany that that my faith wasn't my faith, it was my parents' faith, that they had raised me in this vein, in this faith tradition, and if they had raised me in another faith tradition, then I would be that other thing that they raised me in. So it really just bothered me, and I decided I'm going to walk away from the whole thing, and I'm going to figure out truth on my own. And so I became a philosophy major in college. And I studied all these kinds of philosophies, and I did that while I was partying uh, a whole lot. And all it did was increase my confusion, muddled my identity, and stole my peace. And my fourth year at the university, I was bottomed out, kind of in depression and paranoia. And I remember walking out onto a beach in the rain, Malibu, California, wintertime. And I just wanted the pain to end it was as close to suicide as I'd ever been before since and in that moment just desiring for all of the pain and confusion and frustration to be done I remember looking up and watching the rain come down from a great height and in that moment I just thought you know I'm gonna pray I hadn't prayed for years And so I prayed, and it was something like, Jesus, if you're real, this would be a good time to let me know. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but I immediately felt that I was wrapped up in divine love. I felt that the message that he was speaking to my heart was, Mike, I have been waiting for you for so long. And so you know the story. Since that moment, I have never sinned again in my entire life. (laughs) Not true, not true. That is a joke. I want you to make a note. That is a joke. Please do not take me out of context here. No, no. What is absolutely true is that the trajectory of my life changed in that moment. That The life without God was scrapped, and I began to live a with God life. And I began to open the pages of Scripture and to see what it was that Jesus taught and what his expectations were of how I might live with him and in relationship with him. And it just changed the whole trajectory of the rest of my life. And, of course, I still stumble and struggle with different things along the way. but, But as it has been his grace that transformed my life, so it's his grace that sustains my life now. And that's my story. And you might hear that, and you say, well, well, maybe, Pastor, the reason why I haven't written my story is because my story, it sounds kind of boring. And if that's you, just let me give you just, I think this is God's truth over that. God's truth is this. Your story does not have to be intense for it to make an impact. It does not have to be intense for it to make an impact. For some of you, your story is just a really beautiful long story of God's faithfulness and goodness in your life. Amen. That's a beautiful story. Amen. I invited a friend of mine named Sonny Salisbury to share with us about one year ago. He's been a man who has influenced me greatly at, at different seasons of life. He's been a pastor and a mentor and a friend and a, and a boss. He, I worked for him for a couple of years. Just, just a, a beautiful man that God has used in my life. He just turned 80. And two weeks ago, he was diagnosed, he got the news, he's been diagnosed with stage four liver cancer. Started off as melanoma, and it's kind of transferred to a few places in his body, and specifically his liver. So I heard that news, and I, I called him up, he and his wife, Linda, and I just, I wanted to encourage them, and I wanted to talk about how God would be with them in this, that God would bless them. I I, I just wanted to make sure that uh, we had a chance to pray together, and what was so amazing to me is in that conversation, he did all those things for me, that he encouraged me, and he reminded me that God is with them in all these things, and and it was so funny, he, he, was, he and Linda both were just sharing, and they just received like this, this really devastating news, and, and yet they were filled with joy. And they said, they said, Mike, they go, you don't understand, God has always been so good to us that there's never been a time where God let us fall, that he's always been with us and he's carried us through every single thing we've ever faced in this life that he's always provided and that he's always blessed and he's allowed us to just be in, in, in such love with one another and we love life and we love telling other people about how good Jesus is. And so yeah, we, we wanna stick around for longer. We, we want to, to have our life sustained you know, for, for many years and so that's what we're praying for. But, Mike, you got to know that if it's time for me to go meet Jesus, I'm so ready to go meet my Savior. He has been so good to me always. And I said to him, Sonny, that's your real testimony. That's your real story. You know, he doesn't have an intense before and after story. His dad was a great follower of Jesus and just this warm and, and, and authentic uh, Jesus follower. And, and Sonny, early, early in his life, committed himself to the Lord. And he's been walking with Jesus ever since. And I said to him, your story isn't this some before and after, but what your story is is an incredible, long story of God's presence and faithfulness in your life. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what some of you have. So that's your story. So go ahead and write that down. Let that be the story that you share. Look, I want you to understand you don't have to have a a painful past to recognize that you're empty without Jesus. You don't have to murder someone to know what it's like to have a heart of darkness. You don't have to be an atheist to understand what doubt is about. You don't have to be kidnapped to know what it feels like to be trapped by fear and loneliness. You don't have to spend time in jail to know what it's like to be imprisoned by sin. Your your story doesn't have to be intense for it to have impact. And so you recognize the power of a story and then you articulate your story and on your outline and even on the screen behind me there there is a a prompt that you can go to. It's at occ.org slash your story. And the idea is that or your faith story. And the idea is that there is a way to kind of help you go through this process of actually articulating, thinking through, and then writing down your story. Okay? So this is my challenge, Overlake, and I brought it to the first service. I I, I really just want to say that my goal is that as a family, we would do this, that we would take just the few minutes that it requires for us to think this through and to actually write it down to create the tool of our story. So I'm just going to ask you, just like I asked the first service, so I'm not just singling you out, ask the first service, how many of you, you've either already done this, and and you have your story written so that you're ready to share, or you will do this, you'll take the steps and actually write it out. Raise your hand if you do that, or if you already have done that, all right? Not as many as I had hoped. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's time for me to pour some guilt out over you and just spiritually manipulate you. Your story is so powerful. You need to recognize it. You need to remember that somebody's dying to hear your story. Let me ask one more time, how many of you (laughs) will take some time to write out your story? Show of hands, a few more. That guilt thing works, I'm telling you. Hey, I really do want you to think about, I want you to, to recognize that God is at work in your life and the way that God is at work in your life, he wants to use to bless somebody else. That brings me to this next fill in and that's to listen for opportunities to share your story. Listen for opportunities. What I don't want to do is encourage you to write your story and then in every single conversation that you ever enter, you just plow ahead and you just share your story you know, a couple of guys at the office water cooler, they're talking about the upcoming Super Bowl, and you just come in. Yeah, Patriots, who cares? My story is this. And you just go in, and, and I just, that, that probably won't be a useful way to proceed. But I will say this, if you listen for opportunities to share, you can trust that God will provide those opportunities for you. And the key thing about listening is to be a great listener, you just learn to ask questions of the people in your life. You learn to ask questions of your office mates or your neighbors or your friends. And here is the greatest question listeners can ask. And you might want to write this down. The greatest question you can ask your friend or your coworker is You know, I don't really know all of your story. Could you share a little bit of your story with me? So you open the door for them to share their story with you. And as you care for them and as you listen to their story, chances will be good that they might actually respond and say, well, tell me a little bit about your story. I'd love to hear your story. So then that's a good precursor opportunity. Then you ask them to share their story, then they'll ask you to share yours. But even if not, you, you just listen. And, and you listen to their story. and You listen to what they have, have considered important to communicate. And, and you care for them right? In in sort of the the parts of their story. Well, then if they're thinking, you know what? I do have a spiritual question. Who could I ask? Your name will come up. I I do have a theological question. I I wonder what so-and-so thinks about, and they'll come to you. Why? Because you've cared for them, because you've served them and honored them by listening to them and listening to their story. So that's the challenge. Listen for opportunities. Trust that God will provide opportunities. Uh, Colossians 4, 5 says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity, right? So we're to live wisely. The challenge then to listen well for the opportunities that God brings to you and make the most of those opportunities. The last fill-in here is to live with a story mindset. Live with a story mindset. And what I mean by this is it's very natural for human beings to think about ourselves most often. So most of our thoughts, even if we're not phrasing it like this to our, to our own minds in our self-talk, but most of us think about ourselves most often. What we're going to wear, what we're going to do, what we're going to eat, what, what is required of us, what we're going to say. Like it's, it's, it's very self-centered, self-centered. I'm not saying this in a sinful way. It's just how we're oriented. We're oriented around the self. And this is what happens most often. So here's the challenge to live with a story mindset is you think about your story and the way that God has impacted you so that you can share it with others and make a difference in their world. The story mindset is God is working in your life, and how might he use that story for his kingdom to bless somebody else? The Apostle Paul was the greatest example of this. If you think about Paul's life, and just read through the book of Acts, you'll see it, that Paul shares the story of his Jesus encounter again and again and again. He shares it. Why? Because this is where Jesus met him. It's Jesus transformed him. And, and it radically changed the trajectory of his life. And, and he used that to start church after church after church and, and to, to witness and point people to Jesus again and again and again. He lived with the story mindset. And that's my challenge to you uh, and, and to me as well. In 1 Corinthians 3.6, Paul says this, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So we plant the seed, we water it a little bit, maybe with kindness, maybe with listening, but we trust that God is the one who makes life change happen. We trust that God is the one who does the heavy lifting. And so I want to challenge you to articulate your life change story and then listen for opportunities to share. Scripture says this, by the way, this is Jesus and he's he's sharing this in the the most famous sermon ever preached, called the Sermon on the Mount. And even in this passage, you'll see that he uses imagery that goes in, and it's so easy to remember and to recall even years later. He says this: "You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world." He's talking to you. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise you for your good deeds and gener- no, it says so that everyone will praise you or praise your heavenly Father. It's not you. It's your Father that gets the glory. Right? So it's not about us. Everyone will praise our Father. So let your good deeds shine out and let your story be shared. Why would you want to keep what is most true, what is deepest, what is most beautiful about you a secret? You wouldn't want to. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Why would you hide that light under a basket? We used to sing an old song, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Maybe you could try that right now. Hide it under a bushel. All right, fair enough. I think there was more of you that said no than raise your hand to share your story. But, you know, I want you to think back to that blind man for a moment that Jesus, you know, made mud, healed his eyes. I want you to think about this. The Pharisees were asking him all kinds of questions. They were totally upset about the whole enterprise. They they just were really, really agitated. And and so they, they grilled this blind guy. And he really didn't. He was an innocent in this whole thing. He didn't know too much about Jesus. He did not have a deep theological framework. He did not have an apologetic. But what he had was a story. I was blind, and then Jesus, and now I can see. My life was like this, and then Jesus, and now it's transformed. And as, as frustrated as the Pharisees were, as angry as they were over that whole episode, do you know what they couldn't do? They couldn't argue his story. They couldn't refute his story. Why? Because it was his story. Nobody, can argue your story. That's what you own. So friends, I really want to encourage you, share your story and do it for the glory of God. Okay, why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are very thankful that you are so loving and you are so kind and you want to be involved in our lives. You want to touch us and transform our lives, change the trajectory that we're on so that we could live a with God life. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for your pursuit. I'm so thankful for your patience for us. And I know that there are some here who don't yet have a life change story with you. And and with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, maybe, maybe you would prompt them to pray something like this. Jesus, I do want a story of an encounter with you. And so I come to you now and I step across the line of faith. I commit myself to you and, and I want to see my life changed. I, I want to experience your forgiveness and grace and your presence. And so I come to you now with open arms. And I know, Lord Jesus, that you welcome that prayer and that you meet us in our need and that you begin the journey with us. And it's just so beautiful. And I know that there are many others here who are already followers of of yours, but they're sitting on their story. And so my prayer today is that you would meet them and that you would speak your courage, that you would speak your grace over them, but allow them to see the impact that their story could make. Maybe you're here and that's you and you might want to pray something like this. Jesus, I want my story to be used for your kingdom. I want my story to influence and impact another person's life. And and so would you allow me to articulate my story and and to listen for opportunities to share? Lord, we love you. I love you so much, Jesus. I thank you for the work that you're doing in our church. I pray that you would allow us to recognize the power that the story you have given us could be to someone else's life. We love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.